If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We continue on in this series where we've been talking about the lost carol. This, this little frame of scripture that we're going to read today actually was an early hymn of that early church. Paul is writing to young Timothy. And Paul is telling Timothy what Timothy needs to know so Timothy can pass it on for those that are to come. See, Paul, this great apostle, understood the story and for me to keep to myself. So he's writing a letter to Timothy, and Timothy is to, to take this old hymn, and he's to pass it on to those that are going behind because the story of all of humanity is contained in this one verse. From the beginning of time until now, this story captures what it's really all about and who it was written for and why it was written and, and what part we all have in it because it's not something we read and we can't do something with. In fact, it's one of the things when we read it, we go, all right, now what do I do with this? How do I handle this? And what's my role in it? So I want to read this together. So if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you got the North Star Church app, you can go ahead and, and uh, North Star Church Georgia in the app store. You can download that app, have all the notes right there. But I want us to read this verse together. So would y'all stand with me today as we read together this lost hymn, this lost carol that Paul is telling Timothy about that's got so much punched and packed in it. Listen to what he said. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. That mystery that it wasn't a what, but a who. That there was a man named Jesus that came. Look at what he says. He was manifested in the flesh, meaning an invisible God became visible an invisible god that nobody had ever seen and they had all read about and they'd sung about and they'd heard about but this god came jesus said if you've seen me you've seen my father he was manifested in the flesh he was vindicated by the spirit meaning he was proven righteous by the spirit he was seen by angels the angels saw him before he was born. The angels we talked about last week proclaimed the night he was born. The angels were there ministering to him in, in the, the desert during his time of temptation. They were in the garden when Jesus broke down the night before he was arrested. We know that they were there post-resurrection when, when the disciples and the ladies came to the tomb, they were there to say, he is not here, he's arisen. And we know that they were there when he was taken up into glory. The angels have always beheld him, meaning they've laid eyeballs on him. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. He was believed on in the world, and he was taken up in glory. See, the story is, is missing a piece. What it's missing is your part and my part. We've talked about the baby over the past two weeks, but there's a, there's a finish to the story, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, speak to us, teach us, show us, encourage us, embolden us. 
that God, it won't be another Christmas where we just unwrap gifts and, and we think we know some of the story. God, we know today we are part of the story. And that is my prayer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. pen pencil something to write with right there on your outline you got a couple blanks so let's hit the story of christmas in a nutshell before we dive into the point today first part is that is that jesus came among us jesus came among us so out beside that i want you to write a little phrase ready he pitched a tent would you write that down he pitched a tent. that's the way john said it the word became flesh he pitched a tent here he came among us. He moved what one version could say. He moved in the neighborhood. Jesus didn't count it equal to stand at a distance and go, hey guys, I want to tell y'all what I really like, but I don't want to be there with you when I tell you. Jesus moved in the neighborhood. Uh, just the other week, I don't know if you followed the news, a young missionary was killed trying to go to a tribe in India to share the gospel and the people were so afraid to let someone else on the island they're still living like it's the 1700s and they didn't want anybody on the island it's a protected island I don't even know how many people live there and he was shot and killed on the way and he was going to live among them he didn't want to just drop you know pamphlets over the island to tell them who Jesus was he went to live with them Jesus moved in the neighborhood that's what it really what it means he didn't, he didn't count you worthy enough to just tell you from a distance. He moved in the neighborhood so you could bump into him, so you could know him, so you could see him, so you could understand him. He became flesh, meaning he put flesh on to make an invisible God visible to us. He came among us to rub shoulders with us. You're all going to have times that are tough and you're all going to have times in life that hurt and they have pain tonight or tomorrow night i'm sorry uh daniel and compass and sellers in true north announced about a christmas candlelight service for those of you that have lost loved ones there's some of you it won't be the same christmas we feel hurt jesus felt hurt we feel life's pain he felt life's pain we're going to be lonely. We're going to be disappointed. We are going to be discouraged. He felt all of those things because he came among us. But look at the second thing. He conquered sin and death for us. He knew that there was something you and I couldn't do. So if this is earth, this big speaker represents earth, and this is heaven, Jesus knew that no matter how good you are, nice you are, kind you are, pretty you are, wealthy you are, you can't make up the span of earth and heaven. Because here's what I know about heaven. Here's what scripture teaches. The only way to get to heaven is perfection. And we've all fallen short of perfection. And when Jesus Christ came and he died, he came and he died to bridge the gap between earth and heaven. And he conquered sin and death. When he got up and he rose on Sunday, he conquered the one thing man could not conquer, and that was death. And he paid the penalty of sin, which is death. And he covered it. If we accept that, then we're able to go to heaven, right? I mean, that's the story. He came and he conquered sin and death. Yes, Christmas is about Bethlehem, but it's about so much more than that. It's a conquering king that came 
for us. But here's the third part of the story, and this is where we'll spend a little time today. He chooses to use us. He chooses to use us. So, time out. Let's step out of the story. Maybe I can illustrate this to make more sense. So, when, when a coach is picking a team, the goal is to get the best players possible. So, back when Casey was growing up, and it's this nine and 10 year old baseball. So it's very serious business. All right, and so it's nine and 10 year old baseball. And so we would have a draft day. So it was a 10 year old year. And I'm getting it. So I had returning players coming back to the team, but I had like five or six slots of new kids. So they do a draft morning with all the kids try out. So coaches, sons are on the team, but all the other kids have to try out and you pick the kids. Your goal as a coach is to pick the best players possible. That is your goal. So they're all going to try out and show you their skills and show you how fast they are and how far they can hit it and, and how fast you know they can run and how hard they can throw. They do all the, all the stuff 9 and 10-year-olds do. So it's 9 and 10-year-old baseball right down here in downtown Kennesaw. And so I am a coach, and I'm trying to pick the best team. But everybody else was there to pick the best players. I, however, had a different draft. So here's, here's the way my draft went. Number one thing that... This was in my contract when I signed to coach with Ann. All right, if I coach, I will. All right, in my contract, I have to draft boys on the team that have little sisters that will play with Mary Michael. All right, and so that was, that was in this true story. True Mary Michael, you always had friends, right? And so that was in my draft. They may not be any good, but they, you know, I had to get them. Second part of the rule was if people go to North Star, I have to take them too. I've learned not everybody who goes to North Star is good at baseball. But anyway, so I had, to, I had to draft those kids too. So we're out there and we do the draft. And so the kids, they come and they, they run and they throw. And then the next night we meet in the draft room. It's serious business, all right? And so we meet in the draft room. We flip a coin, figure out who picks first, who picks last. And we do all that stuff and we do the draft. Normally, I always pick the best players. Now what I picked, I picked kids who have sisters much to Casey's chagrin, and I picked the, 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 you know, the kids that go to North Star. So we had a nice little, we had a kind team. All right, but anyway, so we had a very nice team, but we weren't any good, but we had a nice team. And so at the end of it, they have a hat pick. Hat pick is for any player that didn't show up. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord, right? I mean, I speak for the Lord. I, I, I'm, I try to do my best to do right by people, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna get the future Chipper Jones in the hat pick. That's what I'm thinking. And so they pass the hat around. I'm like, dear Lord, be with me as I draft. All right. And so I pick it and I pull out the hat pick name and I pull out a name and I'm thinking he's going to show up. We got practice on Tuesday night. I got his phone number. I'm almost more excited to call the hat pick kid than I am any of the other kids. I actually saw them play. All right. And so, but I haven't seen the hat pick. I mean, things, this could be turned out really well. And so I remember calling the hat pick. So we got practice six o'clock Tuesday night. Adams Park, field three or whatever the field number was. We got practice and I'm thinking, I'm waiting on this kid to show up. I'm so excited about him showing up. And he shows up with a bicycle helmet. And I thought, did you ride your bike? He goes, no coach, this is my baseball helmet. And I went, dear Lord, all right, dear God, I've, I failed you somewhere along the way. I don't know what happened. Anyway, so he's not Chipper. All right, so he's Chipper Jones, but not Chipper Jones. Anyway, so uh, he turns out, well, a buddy of mine, one of my best friends that was one of the other coaches went here to North Star before he moved for a long time. He got a hat pick too. So he reached in and got the name, so I didn't really think much more about it. He never said anything. He didn't gloat, and you know, you got to scout. You know, it's nine and 10-year-old baseball. You got to go scout, and so I go scout his team because we're playing them first game of the year, 
and he's got a gazelle running between left field, covering all the way to right field. I, a kid was not at tryouts, nor was he in the league the year before. I went up to him during the game, and I went, who is that kid? He goes, that was my hat pick. <laughs> so that kid now is running in the NFL. His name's Kenyon Drake, a running back with the Miami. Yeah, God didn't favor my uh, drafting on that day. But anyways, so funny story. Now, I tell all that to say this. God didn't pick the best players either. When God chose the disciples, they weren't first-round draft picks. Y'all do know that, right? In fact, most scholars think that all the rabbis had passed over these guys because they couldn't make their cut. They were plying their family trade because nobody else saw anything in them but Jesus. And you think God doesn't want to use you? God is in the business of using people nobody else wants. God's in the business of taking people's stories. Everybody look at me and redeeming their stories. Remember the disciples who were left in charge. We're going to talk about it here in a second. Of all this stuff, were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They weren't, they weren't the learned ones. They didn't have degrees. They didn't have diplomas hanging on their wall. They were normal, everyday people. He chooses to use us. Your story does not disqualify you from being used. You may have walked in today and went, well, God can never use somebody like me. No, actually, he loves using people like you. He loves taking ordinary and doing extraordinary things which brings us to today he was proclaimed among the nations what does that tell us about the christmas story three things ready three things number one thing it tells us about the christmas story is the christmas story is too good not to share it's too good not to share he was proclaimed i want you to write out this little phrase, ready? Face to face. This story was delivered out and it went face to face across the world at that time. They didn't have internet. They didn't have text. They didn't have billboards. They didn't have radio or television. It went out face to face. God himself came and it was proclaimed. It was taken out. It didn't stay in a little region. It was proclaimed. It was face to face. It was a personal piece to the story that God came for man. It was proclaimed. It was taken out of the box and it was shared but look at point number two the Christmas story is too big not to share everywhere the Christmas story is too big not to share everywhere it was proclaimed and I want you to look at the at the phrase here on the screen right in the verse it was proclaimed among where among the what nation now think about this this was all in Jerusalem Jerusalem, this Israel is about the size of New Jersey. So it's a small little strip there in the Middle East. But yet the story of who Jesus was 
was taken among the nations. Remember, there were only 11 disciples that were left when he died and he was resurrected. There were 11. Most people, most scholars say, at the time of Jesus' ascension, so he dies on Friday, he's resurrected on Sunday, he's on earth for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, he was taken back up into heaven. There were 120 believers at that point, 120. But what they saw so impacted their lives, they took that story and they took it to the nations. And from that little seed in Jerusalem, it went to every part of this earth. It was proclaimed among the nations. Everyone heard who Jesus was. And what was the story they heard? There was a Galilean carpenter, born of a virgin, who died for a guy named Barabbas. He was killed on Friday. He was raised on Sunday. I saw him with my eyes, and the story spread, and it spread among the nations, and it began to go. You and I ended up in this room today because somebody told us the story. It may have been a grandmother or a grandfather. It may have been Billy Graham on television. It may be a neighbor. It may have been a co-worker, but somebody somewhere told you the story. And if you've never heard it, you heard it today. And you heard it today because my grandmother and my grandparents and my parents passed it on to me and my pastors and youth pastors passed it on to me. And I'm passing it on to you. It was proclaimed among the nations. And right now, while we're standing in this room, there's a church in Haiti and there's a church in uh, Dominican Republic and there's one in Africa and there's one in Japan and there's one in China. And to the uttermost parts of the earth, there's people that have heard it was proclaimed among the nations because somebody somebody chose not to keep it to themselves. Now, here's the crazy part. This is crazy. We're one generation away from somebody not knowing the story. Ever thought about that? If you and I bottle it up and we keep it to ourselves, somebody else isn't going to hear. You know, you think... Um, there must have been a really good plan B. There must have been a really good, you know, if this doesn't work out and people don't do their part, you know, and, and so well, I used the baseball analogy here a second ago. In baseball, you, you have a starting pitcher and then you have your relief core, right? You have the, the four guys that are gonna come in in relief that day. Or if a hitter doesn't do well, you got a pinch hitter coming up. That's just the way you do it. In football, you have people in softball and soccer. You got all that, you've got all that stuff working. You always have an option. You always have a plan B. There is no plan B for people hearing the story of who Jesus is. Everybody look at me. He gave it to you. And he left it to me to proclaim it among the nations. Well, Mike, I'm not going to travel all over the world. No, but you're going to travel to your office. And you're going to be in your boardroom and you're going to be in your neighborhood and you're going to be at that school event. Everybody get, get this. What if? Let, let me say this. Time out. If God's only goal was for you to know Jesus, the day you met Christ, he would have taken you home. That didn't happen. He left you here. Why did he leave you here? He left you here to tell the story and to live out who Jesus is for the people around you. So I got a question for you. Who did he leave you here for? It wasn't you. He left you here for somebody else. 
You know, I think on earth, Ann and I had this whole conversation the other day. We were driving on a trip, and and I said, you know, I wonder sometimes why I'm here. What What if I was only here for one other person? And God left me here to tell the story to them. That, that's how all this happened. Y'all know that's how we ended up here. He was proclaimed among the nations. Face to face, this story spread like wildfire. And it began to go. Point number three. And he was believed on in the world. He was believed on in the world. He was... Christmas story is too urgent not to respond now. It was believed on in the world. So I know sitting in our crowds in Compass, True North, watching a lot are people with lots of different religious backgrounds. Let me, let me tell you how I believe Scripture teaches. <clears throat> we have an opportunity while we live on this side of heaven to figure out who Jesus is for us. Post-life, when we pass from this life, we don't go in a soul sleep and get a second chance. We make that decision now. You may have come from a, a background that said, well, you get a do-over after you die. If it didn't turn. No, 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 no do-overs. He was believed on in the world. While we're here on this side of heaven, we got to figure out who Jesus is to us. We got to figure that out. And there's an urgency to it. All right, yes or no? Have you lived long enough to learn that we're not promised tomorrow? Have y'all lived long enough to learn that? We ain't promised tomorrow, baby. And if you haven't lived that long yet, you, you just hang on a little bit. You'll see. This is a gift. Every day's a gift. I don't want to squander that gift. Everybody look at me and I'm done. The most important decision you will ever make on this side of heaven is who Jesus is to you. And then once you make that decision, the most important decision you're going to make after that is who are you going to tell? Here we are at Christmas. So, Mike, I don't even know what to say. Hey, this is the one time of year. Invite somebody to come to church with you. Invite a neighbor. Invite a coworker. Invite a friend. Say, I mean, you want to go to church with me? If they say no, then that's fine. But maybe through you, they can believe and they can hear the story. Paul goes, Timothy, I don't want this to die with me. I don't want this to end with me. Timothy, make sure you tell those that you're going to meet how all this came to be and their part in the story. Would you pray with me? God, sometimes I pick up your word and go, what if I had, what if I didn't know? What if I was one of those that just got up this morning and read the paper and hung out at the house and really thought I was living for everything. Man, I had a nice truck, and I had a nice car, and had a beautiful home and a great family. 
And I thought I knew. I, I thought I had all life had to offer. God, what if that were me? What if somebody had never told me? God, I got to think. I would want somebody, if the news is that good, to go, hey, man, did you know that God loves you and has a plan for you? God, we got a lot of those people standing and sitting all over this community this morning. God, may we be a church that proclaims the story of who you are. God, may we be a church and may we be people that take you face to face to this world to let them know that there is a God who did a lot of moving of stones to have their son come here. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I have never believed. You were doing that this morning. You were talking about that this morning. And Mike, I'm one of those people I've never believed. But today was my day that I believed on you in this world. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for rising again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Today, if you prayed that prayer and you asked Christ to come in your heart, there's a number on the screen right now with the word follow. Would you text that number with the word follow in your name so we could tell you about what's next? Believed on in the world. God, may we tell the story with a greater fervency than we've ever told it. And God, may this church be a lighthouse for those that are looking to find their way home. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.